Hey, Love Tribe, get excited for another great episode with Chase and our special guest. But before we start, I wanted to remind you about our amazing and free 14-day happy couple challenge. I don't know about you, but with the upcoming holidays, I'm feeling this hectic energy and I'm craving some grounding, fun, and meaningful connection with my partner. So whether you've been with your partner for many years and you're needing to mix things up or you're a newly coupled and you're looking to dive in to learn more about each other, the 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge is perfect for anyone wanting to deepen their relationship and have fun while doing it. So head on over to our website to sign up. You can start connecting deeper physically and emotionally today over at idopodcast.com slash 14 with our simple, easy, and doable daily challenges arriving straight into your inbox daily. This free 14-Day Challenge will help you break the old habits and build new engaging habits that will push you to create a deeper intimacy with your partner. Sign up today for free for the 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge to start strengthening and improving your relationship today. Head on over to idopodcast.com slash 14. That's idopodcast.com slash 14 to sign up for our free challenge today. What's up, Love Tribe? What's going on, guys? Thank you for tuning in. We hope you're having a great day today. Today, we welcome sex and intimacy coach Irene Fair. And Irene helps couples bring sex and passion into sexless relationships and fall in love with each other again. And you guessed it. Today, we talk about sex. <laughs> Let's talk about sex, baby. <laughs> Just kidding. Keep singing it. No. Keep going. No, no. That's all you get. <laughs> all right. I thought, I thought you guys were going to get a song. <laughs> nope. Well, since Sarah's not going to sing to you about it. We'll tell you about I'll it. <laughs> tell you about it. We dive into why sex dies out and... The three types or stages of sex that most relationships pretty much all are going to go through because a lot of it's based on our biology. And by breaking it down that way, Irene helps us understand no matter what stage you're in or maybe you're single and you're going to go through these stages, how to think about them and communicate with your partner so that you don't end up fighting around sex or just having a disagreements, conflict, and being upset about your sex life or not having sex at all. And these things are difficult. I mean, it happens to probably everyone. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. I mean, communicating about sex is probably one of the hardest things that we've come across and that I'm sure you guys have as well. So I think we actually have a free guide that is on how to communicate about sex. So I'll link to that in the show notes because I know it's some um, super valuable little worksheet that you guys can go through if you're struggling with that in your relationship. Yeah, check that out. And as always, we appreciate you guys so much for tuning in, listening to the show, sharing with your friends and family leaving us those five-star reviews. That helps a lot. 
um, you know, just spreading the word and that we can continue to give you guys this great information. We're happy just to be getting it right alongside you. Um, we really do appreciate it. So enjoy today's show. Today's episode is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Do you guys want to create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days? Yes. Sign yes. me up. <laughs> then you guys need to check out our online course, Spark My Relationship. It is an online course, like I mentioned, that we created with over 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you guys the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. We talk about it on the show. Relationships take work. Sometimes they function pretty easily and you coast along. But we've found the reality is, is you have to do work sometimes and to make them better, to change them so that they're more satisfying for both partners. And you've made it here. You've made it to listening to our show. So you guys probably already know that a little bit. But what you might not know are the specific tools and exercises that you need to create those lasting and positive improvements in your relationship. And like Chase said, change does not happen on its own. It takes hard work. And that's why we created the course. Spark One Relationship is designed to infuse your life and relationship with fresh passion, skills, and wisdom. And it's a self-paced journey that's perfect for turning up the heat, having some fun together, and revolutionizing your intimacy and communication. And just some tools and strategies that the course includes is to how to eliminate unhelpful old habits, develop mindful awareness to help improve your stress management, learn healthy and successful communication tools, create a deeper and more intimate bond, and strengthen your couple microculture, which you will find out what that is. Uh, in the future together. So for our listeners only, we're offering a special of $100 off the course. Visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock to unlock your discount. And there is a 30-day money-back guarantee. So there really is no reason to not give it a try. So go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock for $100 off. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. Today, we're going to talk about sex and we're going to talk about why it dies out in long-term relationships and then the three types of sex and understanding those three types that you break down and how that can help us not reframe how sex dies out. So why don't we start with having you tell us and our listeners why sex loses its bang from those first few months when you're together with someone new. Yes, this is a phenomenon that pretty much all couples experience all around the world. And I get to see that with my clients who come from all over, from the U.S., from Australia, all over Europe, Asia. And it's this amazing phenomenon that the sex in the beginning is passionate. It's exciting. We can't keep our hands off each other. And then this drift happens. Uh, once the couple gets into a more intense relationship, more committed relationship, there's more responsibilities like children. 
and the passion starts to die out. And I know from my own experience, specifically working with couples who, who go through this, how confusing this is. How come we were so excited and passionate for each other in the, in the beginning and our love and our relationship seemed so easy. And now we just feel like roommates at best or at worst, we're fighting with each other. And so what I have seen in myself and my own couple, the couples that I work with, is that this is a really natural phenomenon. And it's nothing to be scared about. And it's something that happens for good reasons, for biological reasons. And it's a call to action for a couple to really learn how to connect differently. So I want to map out the three types of sex that I see, two of which naturally die out at different stages of the relationship, maybe a couple of months in, maybe a couple of years in. And then a third type of sex that stays resilient, that grows with a couple wherever they go in their lives, obviously as they age, obviously as the relationship matures, and as they change, um, just the way we all naturally change as time goes by. So it's a very resilient type of sex. It's sex that is about curiosity and needs and desires being expressed and met. Again, things that don't happen in the beginning. So shall I start from the beginning and with the first type, two types? Mm -hmm. yes, yes, please. All right. So let's just kind of go to that moment in the beginning of a relationship that we all know that's so exciting and passionate, right? A couple is dating. They can't keep their hands off each other. All the sexual attraction hormones coursing through their bodies. The sexual tension is building all the time. It's through obviously connection when they're together, the spontaneous hand holding and the kissing, the making out sessions long nights, long sleepless nights of making love with each other. And during this time, it's really, again, important to understand that so much of this is driven by biology, the hormones of attraction that are wanting us to make a baby and to continue our species. And so everything is equipped to make that sex passionate and make it happen. So I call this type of sex in the beginning friction sex. It's all about the bodies. It's all just wanting to be with each other. And it's not surprising that we, when we talk about this, sex, this type of sex, we refer to it as can't keep our hands off each other, jumping in each other's bones. It's all about the body. So again, this is passionate kind of sex, physical, primal. There may be a lot of enjoyment, a lot of release of tension. And it has its limits because, again, it, it's kind of wired in us to, to make a baby, whether or not, of course, we do that. So this type of sex is also what I think of as good weather sex. It's about fun. It's about really pleasuring each other and having fun as a couple. And the limits of this type of sex lie around communication. You don't want to ruin the mood by stopping sex and asking for what you want. And you don't want to ruin the mood by sharing your emotions because what if it scares your partner? So this type of sex, again, just take this type of sex limits what can happen here. But as in all relationships, we need to be able 
to say what we need or we need to be able to express what's happening. And without actual avenues for this, sex over time will become routine. It'll become, you'll be doing the same thing over and over, even though there's still that excitement and passion, but it becomes more transactional. I do this for you, you do that for me. And what couples see if they stay in this, in this kind of sex is they, they'll see diminishing returns. It just gets boring and routine. And again, because there's no way to, to, or there's no opening to express your needs or to express more than just the physical aspect, they'll start to feel shallow. Like there's, there's depth that can't be reached. And this particular element of friction sex starts to affect women more than men uh, because our needs change. We, we, women need more variety in sex and more surprise and more, um, attunement to our body, which changes. And so if you can't, again, share what you need here and there's no um, space for emotions, it starts to get kind of less and less compelling. But what does keep couples here in this stage for extended periods of time is the, the sexual attraction and passion for sure, but also drugs and alcohol. Alcohol lubricates this kind of interaction, it removes inhibitions, but it also removes kind of the need to share things. And so couples can maintain this couple, this type of sex for extended periods of time, again, under the influence of drugs and alcohol. And sometimes these couples are able to do that for decades. The challenge is that once they get sober, it's very hard for them to connect because that alcohol or those you know, even soft drugs were able to keep them to get to keep them going in this type of sex. But for those couples that see the the diminishing returns, they panic here. They start to think that there's something wrong with their sexual attraction or their compatibility, or that they're just not meant to be with each other. And sometimes that's true, but other times it's really a reflection of this type of sex. It has a limited shelf life. It can only get you so far. There's also another time when couples resort to friction sex, but I'll mention that in a moment once I get to the second type. Shall I move on to the second type now? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the second type starts with the addition of the emotions into the relationship. So it could be um, as a couple just naturally opens up to each other, it often happens when they start to fall in love with each other and reach the limerence state. And when there's more emotional openness and when there's, of course, love involved, there is now another mix of hormones that is in the picture. Love hormones and... um, more dopamine, more serotonin. And what happens when you bring love into the mix is that it brings validation. Wow, there's this person who is in love with you. They think you're special to them. You're important to them. They desire you. And it feels amazing. And of course, in reverse, you get to love them and desire them and want good things for them and care about them. 
And this validation is intoxicating. It's amazing. And it can add so much passion into the sex and the lovemaking, hence the word lovemaking, right? I call this phase validation sex because now you have this validation layer on top of the physical, the physicality of it. And again, it's it can be full of passion and the sense of merging with your partner and it can feel like you're enveloped in this warm blanket of love. And in this stage, what happens with each time you have sex and specifically each time your partner desires you, they seek you out, they want you, is that you get the message. They love me. I'm loved. I'm cared about. I'm important. But here's also what happens in life in general is that when your partner wants you, it's a yes and it's amazing. But there are times when we don't want each other because we're tired, because something is getting in the way, because children are taking up our energy, because we're pissed off at each other. And so here, a no is no longer a no to sex. A no becomes a no to each other. A no becomes, I don't want you anymore. You're not important to me. I don't desire you. And that's where things start to get very personal. So like I said, there's no real no to sex here anymore. It's a, it's a personal rejection. And so sex becomes then a battleground of couples demanding validation from each other. And usually there's a pattern of a pursuer wanting that validation through sex more than the other person who's the withdrawer. And there's this, this chase that starts to happen. And the chaser, again, wants more sex. And the person who's avoiding them, the, the one who's being pursued, pull away, feeling pressured, feeling suffocated often and encroached upon for having to provide sex. And so this eats into actual genuine desire for sex. And this turns sex into a demand and a chore. And what that does, of course, is that it kills the eroticism. It kills the fun part of, of sex. It kills the freedom that it can naturally create. And this is where couples get to see a lot less sex, a lot less desire to have sex a lot less desire to please each other. And oftentimes they'll resort to friction sex. Okay, let's just do it to get over with. Let's just get an orgasm in. I'll do you, you do me. We're good. Kind of to check off the box. But the passion and the connection naturally dwindle here. And at best, couples will become roommates and just kind of, sweep this under the rug and collude to just cuddle and not talk about it and be roommates, or they get into vicious fights with that pursuer withdrawer uh, cycle. And this can get really painful and hurtful for many couples. And again, the underlying limitation here is that this isn't about sex anymore. This is about these other deeper needs not being met around validation. It's just that the couple is using sex for that validation. And 
typically, if they weren't discussing their needs before, they're not discussing them here. And so these needs get unmet and the each person lives on even a less full tank, an emptier tank than they were than they had before. So here couples will start to doubt their love for each other. They'll think that their you know their love is not working. Maybe they made the wrong choice of partners for each other. And it can get very, very painful here. But the truth is that their love is not dead or their love is not wrong, but that they have no way to really connect with each other anymore. They're caught in these patterns and the patterns of the enemy. So now again, if, if the couples went through this, these two stages like this, or they went just through the friction state, they, they get very confused. They can be very angry and resentful at each other. And it's not just about the sex piece, but also their dreams for each other and the doubts that they start having about themselves and their own sexuality and, of course, their love. They start to blame themselves and each other. So, again, it's a very painful place in the relationship. And that's what I call the death of sex. And what we have to recognize that Everything leading up to here has been built on biological motivations, both sexual to make a baby and love to stay together to raise the baby, but that it takes so much more to keep sex going in a long-term relationship. And that up till this stage, so much is created on top of expectations that we have for each other that we never actually get to discuss or agree upon. We just silently walk into relationships. We default into relationships. And of course, needs don't get met when they're not discussed. And we also bring old patterns from past relationships, old hurts and traumas and agendas and compensations that we want to uh, create based on these past relationships. We bring that all here. And when the end of sex happens, this is the opportunity to understand all of those things and release them and then create. And I want to say this intentionally. I use this word create very intentionally because you get to build this type of sex, the third type. You build a type of sex that actually meets each other's needs because you get to talk about them. You get to negotiate about them. You get to learn about each other frankly, openly, vulnerably, and then create sex that can last the test of time, that can, again, meet each other's needs. And I call this type of sex connection sex because it's truly about learning to connect with each other. And I think of connection sex as not just about sex at all. It's a different way of life. It's a different way of relating to each other out of which sex flows easily, where we feel free with each other to really be ourselves and not hold back, where we can practice curiosity and exploration, where we come into the relationship as two lovers, two individuals, not 
just as parents or um, the kind of like sex and love hungry partners in the beginning, but start to discover each other as individuals. And I love this quote from Anais Nin, who's a, um, who was a French writer and philosopher from, oh, I think it was the turn of the 20th century. And she has this quote um, that goes something along the lines of, look at your partner like they're magic. And in connection sex, when you can create an infrastructure that has you connect as lovers, you get to see the magic in each other. You get to um, really discover who each of you is. And this type of sex is really marked by curiosity and vulnerability and sharing your dreams and desires openly. And all of that really requires, like I said, a different way of relating and an infrastructure. So one of the things that gets thrown overboard when we get deeper into relationships, especially when we have kids, is time together as lovers. And this is fundamental to creating connection sex. Dedicated time where there's no responsibilities, no pressures, to just be with each other, to explore each other's bodies, to share your dreams and wants. And this is something that's essential on a daily basis, not just on vacation when you go away once a year for a week. But carving that time out intentionally every day to connect as lovers. And again, out of that sex that's spontaneous, that's free, that's exciting, it can flow out of that. It happens when we shift the way we relate to each other, that we can create that and and make it sustainable. Before we continue on, we want to tell you about today's sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. After the year we had in 2020 and coming into 2021, it's definitely okay to talk about our mental health and happiness. Mm -hmm. It's one of the benefits, I think, of this whole time is that that's become a lot more of a focus. Yeah, of the Mm -hmm. conversation. And we're not meant to keep everything inside and therapy helps. And we've talked about therapy on the show, but you still might be asking, what is it exactly? Well, it's really whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're struggling in your relationship or maybe you're super happy, but want to be proactive in your relationship and understand some tools that you might need in the future. Or maybe you just feel overwhelmed with life and need someone to talk to. Whatever you need, don't be ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better today because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So if you don't want to see anyone on camera, you don't have to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really all about. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash I do. That's betterhelp.com slash I do. Today's episode is also brought to you by Helix Sleep. As someone who spends a lot of time exercising, chasing after a five-year-old and 
just being super busy all day, <laughs> I know how important sleep is because when I don't get good sleep, I wake up and it's hard to do those things. And it's important for everyone. And we spend half of our lives basically sleeping. So wouldn't you want to do it on something great and amazing that makes you feel rested? And some of you guys are probably on an old saggy mattress. I know we were for a while mm -hmm. and you deserve better than that. So give yourself an upgrade. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes about two minutes to complete and matches your body type and your sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. So with Helix, you're getting a mattress that you know will be perfect for the way you sleep. I took the Helix quiz and was matched with the Helix Dawn mattress because I wanted something that felt firm because I tend to sleep on my back and side. And I was a little hesitant to this because the Helix Dawn is a firmer mattress and I tend to love plush soft mattresses, but I'm also a side and back sleeper. So sleeping on a firmer mattress over the last couple of weeks has actually made a huge difference on the way that I sleep. And I didn't even know that as a side and back sleeper, you're actually not supposed to have like a plush mattress. So news for me. So <laughs> <laughs> now I'm sleeping much better. And Helix knows that everybody's body is unique and different. And that's why they have several different mattress models for you to choose from, from soft, medium to firm mattresses, mattresses that are great for cooling you down if you sleep hot, and even a Helix Plus mattress for plus size sleepers. So if you're looking for a mattress, you take the quiz, you order the mattress that you're matched to, and the mattress comes directly to your door shipped for free. Just go to helixsleep.com slash I do, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but we think you will. <laughs> yeah, we definitely will. And we cannot stress how easy the process was when we ordered it, got sent straight to the door, super easy to unpack. And now we are having the best sleeps of our lives on Helix, thanks to Helix. So Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows to our listeners at helixsleep.com slash I do. That's Helix sleep.com slash I do for up to $200 off and two free pillows. I'm thinking our listeners are going to fall into one of these three categories, obviously, right? And you've laid it out really great, these different stages of our sexual development with a partner. Let's start with the, the first type of sex. And uh, friction sex and someone listening that's like either single and hoping to be in a relationship and start having this friction sex or <laughs> they're right in it right now. Mm -hmm. How can they think about enjoying that biology, all those good endorphins, but not falling victim to the disappointment when those wear off or, or just to best take advantage of that stage in the biology, but move forward in a healthy way? I really love that question because that stage is super exciting and you don't want to miss out on that. 
And the way to, like you asked, the way to enjoy that stage and not fall prey to the negative sides of it is to learn and be willing to speak up and use your voice to share whatever's happening for you and to ask for what you want and need, as well as also asking your partner about what they want and need and engaging in conversations. Because again, the biggest thing that kills that stage is is the lack of communication, is the lack of vulnerability that comes with sharing what you need and want and are experiencing. So enjoy that stage and take risks, take those emotional risks to share what's going on, to talk about sex outside of sex and share, oh, this is what I'm enjoying. This is what I like. This is what I'd like more of. So that you get to design what happens during that stage. You don't have to be a passive passenger on that ride. You get to still say what you want to happen. So that, like you said, you get to enjoy that stage, but it doesn't take you somewhere where you don't want to be. As with all communication, the way in which you say it is super Mm -hmm. important. So I'm just thinking about giving some language. And and to me, it would be something like starting with the positive, like, hey, I really like it when you do this, this and this, you know, the positivity sandwich, layer some positive, three positive Mm -hmm. things, five positive things. And then it's not even negative, but like constructive feedback. But when you bite my lip that hard, it kind of hurts and turns me mm-hmm. off or something. Um, it, is that what you're alluding to as far as communicating during this stage? Absolutely. So how you deliver that communication is important. And something that I mentioned a moment ago, I want to reiterate the importance of talking about sex outside of sex, especially in this first stage, the hormones are just so strong we're so aroused when we're together that it's very hard to actually have a conversation once you start getting physical, just because the arousal is so high. And so that's not going to be exactly the perfect time to have a conversation. That's a great time to make make adjustments or to help your partner adjust things. But you want to have a conversation where you're just relaxed and not highly aroused, meaning outside of the sexual context, to discuss your wants and desires. So pick a time when you're relaxed, when you're not in bed, ideally, maybe when you're on the couch, maybe um, in some other context where it's just the two of you, but again, you're not in bed. And start this conversation. And like you said, it's really important to start with things that are working. We want to set our partners up for success and for receiving our feedback. And everyone wants to know what they're good at and what what kind of enjoyment they're providing for each other. So share what works and be honest about also the things that don't. And then what's also important is to provide information about what would make things better. One of the worst kinds of feedback that we can provide for our partners is, hey, that doesn't feel good, period, and nothing else. It's important to provide some information, again, that would help them know what to make it better. So, for example, if 
hey, we've been going really fast and that doesn't feel good. I'd like to try it going slower. I'd like to try this position instead. Could you do this next time? I don't know if it will work or not, but could we try it differently? So there's just a way to solve the problem rather than just stay in that complaint, this is not working space. As we move towards the the second type of sex, we, we're falling in love. There's more emotions involved. And someone listening is like, yeah, I'm there or I feel like I'm I'm getting there. How can we think about making sure that we're not seeking validation from our partner, that they love us through sex? Like that's such a fine line or how can a partner turn someone down because they're not in the mood or they're tired in the most loving way possible? One of the things that really gets in the way here, uh, which is related to, which is the flip side of love is that it's, it's fear. It's fear that has us read more into the nose than there really are. And so here at this stage, it's really important to get vulnerable, to share and connect with your partner over the fears. I think I'm taking your rejection personally right now that you don't want me or you don't find me important. So it's important to name that early on before it gets so tangled up with so many hurt feelings. So mentioning your fears and also mentioning what you need, like when you say yes to me, when you're excited to see me when I walk through the door and you give me a passionate kiss, I feel so important to you. And it means so much to me. You can ask that. And it's really important to ask that at this stage of the relationship so that you decouple the validation from the sex. You get to verbalize and ask for the validation because we all need it. We absolutely need it. That's one of the benefits of being in a relationship is we get to be seen and loved and validated by our partners. But it's important to verbalize it rather than act it out through sex. So leaving sex for the eroticism, the passion, the connection, and using words to get validation, the kind of validation that you need. That is such a important thing to think about not just with sex, but in, in, in all of the relationship, mm-hmm. but yeah, just, it's like, Hey, I'm afraid that if I don't say yes to you, when you want to have sex every time that you're going to be upset with me or I'm going to f- feel less loved. Mm-hmm. Like it's a super vulnerable thing to say, but it's like calling the situation and the reality for what it is, because that partner that's also initiating the sex could also be doing that to to try to feel loved. Like there's two sides of that. Yeah, there's the biology, but at, at a point, it's not just all biology. Like they're in their head and they're like, all right, I'm horny, but I also, you know, want to show my partner I love them. And so if both of the people, and this is why relationships are so hard, but if they're just operating at that surface level and not being vulnerable and sharing, hey, I'm I'm tired and I'm afraid that if I don't say yes when you want to have sex as as I, you know, has happened in the past, 
um, that you're going to withdraw your love. And it's just like putting everything out there. And in the end, it's, it's a much better way to move through the relationship. Absolutely. And in a way, you already get to create connection sex when you do this. You don't fall prey to those pitfalls of, of sex dying if you end up doing this at this stage. So with this awareness, the awareness that you mentioned in, around friction sex and also around validation sex, when that awareness is, is there and when that vulnerability is there, you're already creating connection sex. You're setting yourselves up for success long term. You briefly touched on this earlier, but I want to go back to how friction and validation sex don't serve women's libido and pleasure like connection sex does. And then how that is different when it comes to men. I love that question as women's libido and women's sexual desire in a long-term relationship is, is mm-hmm. well, it's, it's my personal history, having lost my libido in my marriage, which ended up turning sexless. And then that becoming my area of expertise. I want to start with the fact that women's libido in the beginning of a relationship is false advertising. And what happens in the beginning is in that friction sex stage is that it looks like women's libido is the same as men's. Um, She wants sex as much as he wants. She's available. um, And it looks like they're a match in terms of compatibility. And that's happening because of the hormones and also because of all the attention that she is getting in the beginning the texts, the phone calls, the obviously the dates, the long nights of talking and making love and all the touch that she's getting. And again, all of this just adds up to so much attention and affection and physical contact, which builds up her arousal, her physical arousal, which is very important for woman's sexual desire because... And this is a difference that Emily Nagoski in her book, Come As You Are, brilliantly outlined. Men's sexual desire is spontaneous, at least for most men, where it arises out of a thought about their partner or about something sexual. And physically, they can be aroused within literally seconds, right? They can be hard, they can get an erection, and they can be ready for anything, including penetration sex within minutes. For women, it's different. We have, again, most women have what's called responsive sexual desire. And sexual desire comes out of a journey of attention and affection and physical contact. So all these things are happening. And then at some point, it's like, oh, I'm ready for sex. And so is my body. And so again, in the beginning, all of this is happening naturally. And it looks like they have exactly the same kind of libido. But what happens over time in friction sex and in validation sex, with the lack of communication about emotional needs and physical needs, they end up doing the same thing over and over. And without all the stuff that was happening in the beginning with 2.5 kids and and, uh, two careers, they see each other 
maybe right now with COVID a little bit more, but mm-hmm. just on a, you know, typically they see each other for an hour a day. And it's as they're walking past each other, feeding the kids or taking care of this or that, and then they crawl into bed exhausted. And yet they expect the same kind of not only passion, but also sexual desire for each other as they were experiencing in the beginning. And that's where couples get so confused. And that's where women get so confused about what's happening to them. Are they asexual? Do they not desire their partners? I know for myself, my story was that I lost lubrication. I, uh, sex itself turned very painful and I eventually lost my libido and thought that there was something wrong with me without understanding that I, what I was expecting was not realistic given what was happening. Again, we weren't spending time with each other. Those sexy texts stopped. They stopped coming. There was very little touch, no spontaneous kissing. I didn't feel all that important to my partner. So um, those things are really important. And they need to be built back in for a woman's libido to thrive. And that's why connection sex with its intentionality and its focus on the infrastructure that creates a space for a woman's libido to thrive, that there is connection for them as lovers. There's attention to needs and desires. There's space for physical exploration and just literally space and time for her to get aroused, for the body to get engorged and be open for penetration and for other things, of course, as well, and to not be rushed. That's also one of the things that, of course, happens with real life is that as we're taking care of all these other responsibilities, we have less time for each other. So there's a rush. Hey, we have 15 minutes to get it on. And that's one of the biggest things that kills a woman's sexual desire is that pressure because our bodies don't turn on that way. There's no on switch. I think it's so important for women to hear that because for so long, you know, prior to doing this podcast or doing episodes on this topic, me personally thought that like something was wrong because Chase and I had been together for 12 years and our sex, you know, life wasn't as hot as it was in the beginning. And yeah, you think something's wrong with you. Um, but as soon as we started talking about and having these conversations on the podcast, myself included, realize that it's not that and I'm not alone and that other women need to hear this message too, because once you become aware and understand that something isn't wrong with you, it, it, it makes everything a little bit better, I think, in the relationship. Absolutely. And it frees you to, to well, it frees self-confidence and then you can ask for what you need and mm-hmm. it creates a virtuous upward spiral rather than the vicious spiral of feeling ashamed and withdrawing mm-hmm. and pulling away from your partner. Yep. And I talk more about this topic in my free three video series uh, or training um, called How to Want Sex Again, where I go deeper into how women's libido works and some of these very dangerous myths that women end up believing. And this is what I lived through as well that have us believe that we're broken and that in a way society aids and abets us in believing as well. 
So I, I, um, I'll provide that link and I invite listeners to check out that series to get more information on this as well. Well, Irene, you have laid out some great things for us and our listeners to think about and a good framework as far as these different types of sex. And yeah, why don't you tell us where our listeners can find you online? We'll link to that free course. And if there's anything that we skipped over or maybe you want to emphasize, and then we'll say goodbye. Well, thank you so much for having me. And the way to get in touch with me is through my website, which is irenefair.com. And there are lots of resources for couples and um, women to understand women's libido and to understand how to make love and sex work in a long-term relationship. I have lots of resources around communication and, of course, access to coaching with me. And you will see the link to the three-video course that I mentioned, How to Want Sex Again, from the website as well. Wonderful. We'll have the links to your website and all those resources in the podcast description and in the show notes on our website at idpodcast.com. And thank you so much for joining us. Thanks again for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show, guys. As always, the links will be in the podcast description as well as on the show notes on our website at idopodcast.com. And while you're on our website, we hope you guys check out our free 14-day happy couple challenge. Uh, It's a challenge where we send you a daily email for 14 days with easy, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And it's honestly just a whole lot of fun to do with your partner. It's something new and we think you guys will really enjoy it. So check it out. And while you're on the website, There are tons of free resources as well as more information about our online course, Spark My Relationship, where our listeners can get $100 off. So check that out. You can go directly to the course website at sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. And that's where you can get the $100 off. So thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you next week. listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com